right, everybody, welcome back to season two of Coaching Confidence. This is episode five, episode five, I believe. Um, yes, I am joined by an old friend, somebody I admire a lot, um, definitely kind of following the path of a lot of the other people we've talked to. There's somebody who's had their hands in a lot of different pots, um, who's inspired a lot of different things within different arenas. Um, I don't want to speak too much on it, so I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit more about his multiple brands. Well, awesome. Thank you, Sophie, for having me on this show. So my name is Felton Kaiser, and these days I have been referring to myself as an entrepreneur um well, I'd say that's fair yeah you know I think for a while um well, you know I was like oh I'm a photographer you know oh I'm a creative magazine editor curator you know I've actually consultant. never used the word curator no no well hmm. I I honestly and this is so you know, I'm really pretty open about a lot of things. Okay. And, you know, I, you know, enjoy using a lot of, like, fluid language. Mm-hmm. However, there are just certain titles that I just will not associate with you anything. You said that's not me. But, you know, certain things. And when I, when I hear the word curator, I am specifically seeing, talking, thinking, mentioning someone who works at a museum or a gallery <laughs> okay who you know is a an art curator right and i think it's, it's very interesting because I, I have a lot of you know so not even like a music curator no no <laughs> no and and it's like but you know while i obviously acknowledge you know that th- that that is very much I like, back yeah. job, I feel like that is a career path like these are valid okay these are very valid <laughs> However, comma, in my mind, when you say that to me, I immediately think, oh, you work in a museum or a gallery mm-hmm. and you you are an art curator. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. honestly all that I want to think about when I hear the word curator. I th- also think primarily because that is not, I mean, how many curators do you know? Me personally? Yes. Three. You know three curators. Right. That's not a lot. It's not. It's not. Not at all. Right? Some people don't know that. And the only reason I know them is because, I mean, I happen to go to Morehouse and Spellman is right there. My roommate happened to, um, he was studying uh, art history to become a a museum curator. Exactly. But it's like finding someone who actually studies art history. He was literally one of the two black males in the entire program that did it. And then I knew one of his female friends, so that's the three I know. Right, but then also thinking about those, you know, stats, right? It's like, you know, being a black male in that field, like that is... It's insane. You know, like, but it's interesting when you just... It's so fascinating. It was actually fascinating. Um, I don't know if fascination is a word, but um, uh, it, you know, took me back a bit when I think about, you know, when men are the minority in work environments because when you typically think about the work environment it's always you know like white men 
you know, like cis straight white dudes, okay. you know, cis straight black men, you know, and then you have like, you know, like cis, you know, queer men, then you have like cis queer black and brown men, you know, and then you have like white women and boom, 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 you know, sort of like these, this, this like oppression system that we live in, you know, in the workforce. But I'm always, you know, just like, oh shit, like, yes, that that's a male, you know, in a work environment, but as a minority. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's just, I don't know what the word it, it takes to be back. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is, it's like, I'm conditioned to like, mm-hmm. what well, men are always the minority. When you say like, it's kind of like when you said, when you hear curator, you're conditioned to think this. Yes. And so it's, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that, that's very interesting. So, Following down that path, you you grew up in Chicago. We both went to the same high school. We had very similar kind of, I would say with uh, the photography transition, going from Miss Osborne, yearbook, things like that. I know you saw very similarly to what I saw, that there weren't very many of us kind of doing this at that time. Um, so what kind of made you continue to be a young black photographer who was shooting other young black artists? And then tell me about like how that transitioned into Off Kilter and Ooh, Take Off. Wow, that is, those are some layers right <laughs> there. <laughs> All right, well, let's just bite right into this onion. So I think some previous context is very important um, before I begin. So my introduction to art was actually music. Okay. Um, so I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So it was music. Um, uh, I, yeah, music was just like a really big thing in my house. Okay. And I think that's where I really started finding my individuality was in music. Um, so I started in band and like fifth grade okay. um then did like band and vocals what did you play with the saxophone okay i was an alto sax um, yeah i was alto year. sax yeah saxophone yeah. is fun man it's people so are good tweaking on that like i i, I think very about versatile it often yeah I, i'm just like do i just because i'm just like bro i'm just like my relationship with music is so different i was like i actually think i could pick up the sax and start playing by I, ear i really like, could almost still. immediately because i'm just like I'm, I just feel like I rem- like I still know how to blow, mm-hmm. which it was very tricky. It was very difficult to learn, actually. And I didn't know another conversation for another day. No, I yes. feel you. I feel but you. Like my, yep. so my background started with the saxophone. Okay. You know, my grandfather played the sax and okay, I wanted to be like her. Wow. Yeah. And but also my grandmother sang and I wanted to be mm. like her. So I did both of them. Man. You know, but it's also really funny That's because so like, they kind of hated each other. Okay. Um, they were not together, you know, for a long time. But, you know, when when I was, you know, around fifth grade, they were not together, mm. had not been together for a really long time. But it was always this weird, like, <laughs> like energy between the two of them. But I'm just like, well, I love them both. But also they were like my eldest, you know, relatives. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, they were like my family, you know, you know, in a sense of like, we came from them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's it. Because like, mm-hmm. we don't really go that much further back, mm-hmm. you know, in terms mm-hmm. of um, uh, in my family's history, um, uh, at least what we know of it. But so it was just them, you know? So I was like, well, I want to be like 
both of them. I'm like, they're like the coolest fucking people mm-hmm. I know. Also, these are my grandparents. Like, they're so cool. And then we moved around a bit, moved to Texas at the um, Hurricane Katrina. My family's from New Orleans, so we connected with our family in San Antonio. Came back, and I was at Cantor. Okay. But Cantor didn't have any, like, um, they had a music class, okay. but it wasn't, like, specific to, like, an instrument. It was, like, a multi-purpose music class where Bethany Pickett, iconic woman. Okay. To this day, that woman is, I see her still bopping around Hyde Park. Miss Pickett? Yes, bro. I know Miss Pickett. Yes. Yes. No, Miss Pickett taught so many people music. It is insane. An icon. Oh, yes. I say hi to her every time I see her. Also, the fact that she looks the same as when I was in seventh grade, I'm like, you are, I was like, she is different. Okay? I was like, she was my auntie. Like, she, she's not my auntie, but she's my auntie. <laughs> you know? Now, Ms. Pickett was one of those, like, she truly is, like, when you talk about, like, a teacher, she taught generations music. And, yeah, and like, so in the class that I was in was, like, this... Like this music theory, you yeah. know, like working, mm-hmm. but it's like, like it was it was music theory, and mm-hmm. I didn't understand what we were doing at the time. But then we we were like go to different instruments, mm-hmm. especially across the across the diaspora, mm-hmm. and I really I didn't understand the importance of that because mm-hmm. I'm just like, why we got these African drums? We're not African. My ignorant ass, I'm just like we're not African. Why do we have African drums? And not understanding that really as a child mm-hmm. because. I also don't think that people don't um, understand that, well, at least the way that, like, history was taught to me. Okay. It's like Africa and Black people were different people. Okay. That's very fair. That Africa was this other mm-hmm. continent, a faraway place. Mm-hmm. We just got the same skin tone, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't that we are That from, we were like, like yeah. I that is you. not taught. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand this because I was just like, oh, I mean, you know, shout out to the Africans, but you know, what about Africa? You know, it was like this. We I, ain't been African in hundreds of years. You know, it was just, it was, it was a disconnect yeah. by me not understanding the slave trade or mm-hmm. what all that meant. And I'm just like, I was just confused. But however, we had access to that, you know, and I really do feel like, you know, she put an effort to do that. Oh, yeah. However, with that, I, I wanted an after school program. Um, uh, so we got a slip from the High Park Art Center okay. at Cantor mm-hmm. about their programs there. High Park Art Center is an amazing place, by the way. So they offered us. It out. And so I went for like this, you know, program, this after school program. It was like the second half of the year. I loved it so. I fell in love with the ceramic program. Okay, okay. I saw it on Liz. I'm like, Mom, what's this? She was like, Oh, it's like like pots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, Girl, we need some better pots. So I'm gonna learn and make Let's us some it. pots so we can have nice pots. And so I took the at school program. I just immediately gravitated towards. I fell in love. I fell in love immediately. Well, everybody else was sort of like goofing off on it. I'm like, no, like this, I, I looked forward to going to that after school program, mm-hmm. you know? And that was with um, uh, um, Mary, Mary Tepper, I believe. Yeah, Mary okay. Tepper, um, Hot Park Art Center. And I fell in love. And then I did a summer program. I asked if I could do a summer program, but I also found out that you could, like, that they was hiring, like, you know, my age at the time. I think it was, like, 14, 15, mm-hmm. and I could be hired. And so I did this adult summer program because my teacher um, was like, yeah, you know, like, uh, I was always quiet, and I just did my work. Like, I was very, 
I am very introverted and I and I stay in the corner just doing my work head down. I was like that as a kid and so I was like, "Oh, I'm interested in what, what more was there cuz there wasn't anything else for like mm-hmm. teens." And she was like, "Well, I I'm, te- I'm teaching this this tile class." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, so I did the tile class um with her and then I was then I started working there um for the, you know, summer and then you know i just kept i fell in love with ceramics as a whole and i just fell in love with high park art center then i just started taking all these adult classes i was like this 15 year old so i'm like this 15 year old random black boy i went to south out of chicago with classes with middle-aged white and asian women Mm -hmm. and i was just like what's up aunties you know i'm just like i'm just here to play with this clay too y'all it's so interesting because it's like that's one thing that i think chicago does better than so many other cities like there are programs for youth to get involved in things that they're interested in and they will pay you to do those programs like even you so i did like a pottery class at a program called marwin yes yes i know marwin i remember that was like my first major introduction to like just art in general i did like a, a pottery class i did a comic book class i did a my first photography class over there and then that was when i was like okay wow i really like art and from there, like, I was just, now, I, now I, I'd been used to also taking the train and doing all this other stuff. So I would now explore other programs around the city. Eventually I ended up finding the uh, coaching program that I, that I, like got me into coaching. And from there, like very much like you, I would go play soccer, learn these different activities and stuff like that. And then literally go sit in the class and get my refereeing and my coaching degree with a bunch of middle-aged white guys and a couple of Hispanic people and stuff like that. And I'm maybe one of the two black people in the whole thing, you feel me? And I'm 14 years old. But from there, now I can, when I tell people, yeah, I've been coaching for 12 years, they're like, oh wow, how did you start this young? And it was because of the programs that Chicago had in place, showing me that, hey, this is a possibility. This is a possibility. You just have to really have the passion and the drive to go get that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So moving on, you, then you we're we're at we're at Kenwood, and yeah. So mm-hmm. it's so then uh, as um, uh, you know, I'm transitioning out of you know like eighth grade, okay. still working and going to the high park art center taking classes. I just enter high school. Okay. Um, uh, and then you know at that point. You know, ceramics um, uh, was still something that I went to that I did all throughout. But I was I needed something. I felt this division, right? It's like I would leave. I hated going to high school. I hated high school. Um, uh, first year was very rough for me. I was just I was very introverted. You know, I did I don't want to be there. I wanted I only wanted to do art, and so I um. Uh, yeah, like, and I just didn't want to go to Kenwood, you yeah. know, it's like my entire family went to Kenwood, it felt very much like, uh, you know, just like another statistic, you know, I, I wanted to, I was like, I am not like y'all, like I am different, like, and I, I knew that I just needed something different, you know, because I'm just like, I just needed something else, yeah. right, I'm like, this is just not for me. It's so interesting, because like, your freshman year at Kenwood, look, this school looked entirely different mm-hmm. from my freshman year at Kenwood, 
it looks entirely different now. Right. <laughs> like, right. But think about when I'm entering. Exactly. Yeah. So very, that, that, that's what made me think. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so when you came in, it was different. It was very different from it's when like I came. The in. cool kids just hop on the scene. Yeah. Because that shifted culture. Yeah. Changed it's, everything. And I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand. I also don't, mm-hmm. uh, to be very transparent, enough people don't give the cool kids credit for the way that they shifted, like fashion, especially to black men. I can't, I, I can't speak to nobody else because I don't know nobody else's, you know, story. As a black man, like they shifted, I feel like what being like a man or even masculine looked like in real time. Mm. You know, because like, I feel like the cool kids was like, you just like, they were the big homies who were cool. And so whatever they did, you also wanted to do. It wasn't, it wasn't about drugs. It wasn't about sex, you know, girls like, you know, maybe, you know, like, it, you know, all of those things were in there, but like, it was, it was, I honestly was just like, oh, they're just chilling. Just being cool. Going it could to have the, been literally bro, something. Going to the mall, yeah. bro. I just, and I just felt like black people just didn't do that yeah. especially mm-hmm. black men just didn't go to the mall just to put on bro they would just go to put on a fit to, bro, just, throw just to put on a fit like just, and that was a thing that became a thing bro like and, and but i feel like that but to be honest like that shifted um um that shifted i feel like where my confidence came from, mm, but mm-hmm. also the sort of like conversation itself. I feel like before the, we started talking about self-love and you know black masculinity, the cool kids definitely sort of like just was that. And I translated that, you know, and, and I was just like, oh, Kim was not gonna be mm-hmm. not maybe kind of, you know, mm-hmm. we we were it was in that transitional era, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and I was part of it. And so I would just leave from Kim and run straight to the Hopper Garden Center. Mm-hmm. Leave from Kim Wood was run straight to the Hopper Garden Center. Like I hated being there. And like my counselors would like make comments. Cause like I think like everybody knew that like I just I had no interest in being there at all. And I think everyone knew it. Um, uh, and it showed, it showed them, you know, like how I showed up to school, like what I, the work I did not do, the interests that I just did not have, but also because I was so quiet and tucked away, I was like not an issue for students. I mean, for staff, mm-hmm. because you know. So they honestly let you squeak by and just continue to slide because Listen, were, I, yeah. baby, I held on to a solid C. <laughs> <laughs> maybe freshman year I was like I'm just going to see my way through this <laughs> then, I, then I found out that you could you know um, uh, I think like you could still like move forward with the D mm. and then I transitioned into D's I was like so I was I was basically giving you like CD CD <laughs> said bare minimum <laughs> I feel you I was giving straight that energy and I think like everybody saw that I had no interest in being there. I only wanted to go to the High Park Art Center. And I think it was, and then I saw, you know, and my counselors, like, even, you know, would like throw some slick stuff. It's like, sorry, we're not the High Park Art Center. I'm just like, do better, y'all. <laughs> why aren't y'all? Why do I have to go there? Why, why don't y'all have this here? That's fair. Why is this not a pottery lab? And I'm like, fair. I don't want to do none of that. I want to do that here. Why yeah. can't I do that here? Why do I have to go now be around people like three times my senior? Mm-hmm. Why? But y'all want me to connect with these students? How? That's very I'm not fair. an athlete. The only truly equipped art studios at Kenwood at that time were probably, I would say they had a really 
clean like the the computer labs with all of the stuff that no we didn't have that you didn't have mr mac didn't have any of no, that no mr mac was wow. not my teacher that's mr. interesting mac came when i was leaving like we didn't wow. do that did miss osborne at least have the dark room the dark room was uh, no it wasn't like i don't think i actually i don't know because i wasn't old okay. enough yet okay. but like i was i had mr turtel only and mm. we were in this big ass drawing one i failed that i failed to do my art 101 class yeah and it was always just and i think was all it was like bro what is wrong with you you go to the half art center and do all these great things but yeah you're failing my drawing class and i just really felt like it was honestly just me rebelling i'm just like y'all are not listening to me mm-hmm. y'all want me to listen to you but you're not listening to me mm-hmm. and i think that i just always had that attitude i think because mm-hmm. i was just raised by like i was raised by strong black women and very much so moved in that same energy. It's like, if you want me to listen to you, you also have to listen to me. That is how this works. And But like, that is not the dynamic that you can have as a student <laughs> with teachers. And, but, and so like that honestly forced me away from the school and I went to this art program. I mean, great, I'm, thank God that I went to the, the studio without the streets. Mm-hmm. But I just think about like that disproportion with like people, I mean, students don't, mm. I mean, teachers don't listen to students. They don't. And I'm just when I'm like, well, so, and, and when you, when someone's not listening to you, after a while, you stop trying, you stop caring, and you go somewhere else. Where is, you know, you go to where someone is gonna listen to you. That's so interesting because it makes me think like, we were just talking about the last time we, we had caught up. You were, you were working with Off Kilter, which was an amazing print publication that talked to so many different artists and entrepreneurs, but it was very unique in the fact that you were deciding, you were decidingly different with what you were doing, staying in print when it was a very much an online thing. Even like the, your choice of like the, the way, that's why I called you a curator as well, the way the magazine was curated in its, in the consistency of its look and its appeal, things like that. Like you, it was very much just like very decidingly different from what was around at that time. Was that your way of kind of telling everybody else like, I want to be an artist like you guys, but you're not truly seeing all that I have to offer. So I want you, I'm just gonna hit you guys with this and make you guys have to accept it. Yes. So it was honest, but it was it was a less of a make though. Okay. It was more of so. It really settled when uh, when I was at Kimwood, and then I found out about yearbook. Okay. I found out about yearbook, and there was like a role to be a photographer, okay. right? And I think like it, it, you know, one of the things you had to like, you know, obviously put in paperwork on your name, blah blah blah, your copy, all the you know general application things. But as a photographer, you have to submit an image okay. of Yuri Kenwood. Hmm. I feel like that was the first time someone ever asked me my thoughts on something. That's so interesting. Your Kenwood. Yes. Okay. The thing was, I would show us what my Kenwood is. And I was like, okay. And like, I remember taking the photo and just like, what is, what does my Kenwood look like? What, what is my POV? Hmm. That was the first time I felt like I had power to, you know, um, like the first time someone asked me my POV and was like, like genuinely interested outside of my mother, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, well, 
since you asked, <laughs> this is what it is. And by sort of understanding the power of photography in that way, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I can actually make people see, not even see me, but like they, I can have people and less of the make, right? But it's like, I can provide people and I can provide people with this like message Lens. that I want, right? It's like, I have power to show people something else. And if okay. they want to see it, they can. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about off kilter and its inception, it was very much so, okay, I don't like the way that my friends and my immediate community is being represented in media mm -hmm. and the lack thereof mm -hmm. or the tokenization of. I was like, I don't like this. However, I'm not one to just get on the internet and just say, say that shit. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody says some shit that I don't like, I am the grandson of Stephanie Ellis Harris. I am ready to fight. <laughs> okay. I don't even like fighting, but I'm like ready to fight because I'm just like, no, because these, this is not to be debated. You know, when we are talking about the basic, you know, human rights and mm -hmm. just like empathy, like th there is nothing to debate on. There's like, there is no, if the conversation is not, hey, how do I support? Where do we start? Or do you need lunch while I'm, you know, on the way to the protests? Mm -hmm. If those are not the responses, then what is there to talk about? Absolutely That's so nothing. interesting because it's like, it makes me think about like, a lot of the imagery you used was showing black people and black artists in first either a, a space that made them feel comfortable mm. or two you would show them in a, a very like soft light mm. where they where it, it wasn't like the same lebron and a white girl like her it, it was much more like this is my studio welcome it and it was a very like honest, approachable, like, and real representation of what I, th that, and that was what, honestly, one of the major inspirations for this podcast was just like seeing the way that you did that then. I was like, wow, this is truly something that needs to be herald and champion. So I, I definitely appreciate you want to give you your flowers for that. But um, yeah, definitely talk a little bit more about that. No, mashallah, thank you. I, I really appreciate that I'm, uh, and received. You know, I've been having a really actually difficult time thinking about what, you know, this phase of off-kilter looks like. Okay. Um, uh, and it's just, you know, I have never been the one who wanted to create something just out of my own ego. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, grow the fuck up. I feel that. You know, just like, we don't need, we don't need more shit. We Is don't. it necessary? It's, and it's not. Unless, you know, because I'm just like, why? What is this doing? And it's like, yeah, I know people want to create. I'm like, yes, create all willy-nilly, but you ain't got to tell nobody. This is that need to take up space. Why? You know, and I, and I think I'm, I'm honestly always, I'm, I, I ask myself that question every damn day. Why are you doing this? Does this make any sense? Does anybody need this? And that it's like very harsh to just no, <laughs> it, no. Just I know. I literally ask questions. myself the same questions about this podcast because I'm like, 
do I really need to be making this? Are these like, but then it's conversations like this, where it's like, even if there's one person that hears this and they're like, oh, wow, like, okay, I, I'm about to go look this up. And then they go look it up and they see the way that you represented black people. And now they want to go do the same thing. Like those are the, ins the inspirational moments that I want to create. And it's kind of like the same thing that I feel like as an artist, we always kind of struggle with because it's like, I want to create and, and just make, but honestly, I just really want to make this happy, like for me, because I, I, I like, I love this and this is my baby. But at the same time, like, I would really love if somebody else just kind of saw this and smiled at it the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So it's really just thinking and asking myself that question. I've always asked myself that question, um, especially the early iterations of Unfilter. Okay. Um, but it was, you know, having similar conversations with the artists and how, you know, comfortable they felt, you know, how, you know, um, how they were just, you know, grateful, just excited, um, uh, invested, you know, in, in the work that I was doing, you know, the work that, you know, I was thriving to do, right? It's a constant work in progress. And I didn't, you know, really understand that earlier in my career. I still struggle with understanding that now, that it's, 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 a, it's a work in progress, you know, um, but also as it should be, because if I, am true to my mission, right, you know, of uh, being inclusive and also understanding that um, uh, inclusion and diversity are not the same thing, that inclusion is about impact and diversity is all about the numbers. You know, if I, if I truly believe that, then this has to be a work in progress because people are changing every day, every second, and I have to be receptive to that. I have to listen to that. And uh, and I and I have to shift. I have to shift with the world because that is. If I say that I'm, if I'm for the people, if I'm guided by the people, if the world is changing, the people are changing. So this has to change, mm -hmm. and it's just very difficult running, you know, a business one in that sense, but also being a person who is just a person actively navigating world. those changes yeah. as well yeah 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 <laughs> so it's like not only do i yeah. have to figure out a grasp of it to then you know help support the work that i do but i'll also have to go through it as well and then it's like your priorities can change your heart can change like on what's important to you at that time and in that moment and like you said like sometimes it's like there's only so many lanes that we can in you know and it's like oh man I really want to like like me right now um I know that I really want to be do working on my podcast while working on like my soccer stuff working on like my next steps in my education all of this stuff but then at the same time it's like on the back end I'm slowly planning like how can I move away from this stuff and get into where I know that I that my heart wants me to be by 2025 like we were just talking about that it's like this is that mile 10 to 11 phase mm. right now where it's like we're slowly just kind of figuring out like okay what are the things that that are going to be with us forever 
what are the things that are with us for this season and if it is just with us for this season that's okay because mm-hmm. it's serving us right now it's it's something you know that brings us joy within ourselves and it maybe is helping people around us and when it's time to move on from that that's perfectly fine as well yeah like okay yeah so let's talk about monday coffee i am very excited and I mean, I've always just loved the way you, you curate things in your eye for just life. Um, the Monday Coffee is such a unique brand. It's cold brew coffee, but I mean, the you, you tell a little bit about some of the just the, the small little different features and things that your typical cold brew coffee doesn't offer that you guys do. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan already, so. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, I mean, Monday Coffee started, um, like, summer of 2020. Okay. Smack that. Right in the pandemic. Right in the pandemic. Um, And, uh, you know, it was the birth of something that I knew that I wanted to do. I I knew that I wanted to be in coffee in some capacity. You know, I felt that it was a great way for me to connect with my African ancestry. Mm. You know, really trying to figure out, you know, that conversation, you know, between the, yeah, b- between the two. Um, uh, you know, by Ethiopia being the birthplace of coffee. Okay. Um, but also, you know, um, on the side of like spirituality and Islam, you know, understanding that, you know, a lot of people would just, you know, a lot of Muslims was like would look to coffee and tea, you know, to stay up for prayer. Right, and so understanding, you know, that spiritual connection with that too, and I'm just like, okay, y'all, it was written, you know, tell it to Nas. Um, uh, and so with that, so understanding those two, you know, all of those things, and I'm all right. Well, I don't, as I'm talking, I can't take photos of anybody right now because of the panini. So what else am I going to do? And so I had this idea, and I was like, you know, trying to figure out what, how could I support myself? Mm-hmm. You know, also what could I work on next? Like, what mm-hmm. could I learn? You know, what. I need. I needed to pour myself into something. Because um, me being at home, absolutely. Not. That is, <laughs> I was drinking myself away, which was so grateful. I yeah, I feel like drink. we all got a slight drinking problem well, during I the pandemic. I stopped drinking. Truth. Um, yeah, I. I. I've been. Um, Halloween made it two years. Wow! Congratulations. Yes, thank you so much. It's Congratulations. Been a rough two years. A lot of unlearning that you have to do. But Monday coffee and uh, we started with the cold brew. Yeah. You know, started okay. started with the cold brew, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the easiest thing. That I'm like, okay, we can make this. You know, me and my partner, um, Hearth, longtime collaborator and friend, um, uh, Amanda Christie and Hearth. She also owns a universe of Hearth. Um, uh, she makes candles, scents. Um, uh, wonderful, wonderful. Also, she, um, uh, her art practice is in indigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like indigo dyeing, like superb. Yeah. Um, uh, amazing. And so, She's amazing. you know, we were like, we we're just talking because, you know, we're just like, girl, what are we going to do? What's happening, girl? The world is in shambles. Also, Black Lives Matter, this, you know, unrest. Like, and I'm just like, you know, we just need to be out there giving motherfuckers like coffee because, you know, because black people need it. You know, like, black people need coffee from black people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that honestly was like a series of thousands. It was like, wait. Is there something? Is there something here? (laughs) You know, and so really just thinking about it's like, but actually, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. 
for, you know, understanding that Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee, understanding, you know, our relationship, you know, in America as black Americans and with consumerism, fashion, culture, but also coffee. And it's just like, why is this sort of like pop culture reference to coffee is always a white girl at Starbucks? Mm -hmm. Why? That's so interesting. Why is that the first thing That's we think so of? That's so interesting, yeah. And why is it not yeah. just like some like iconic black person just drinking coffee at home unbothered? Mm -hmm. Why is that? And I was like, oh yeah, I actually don't want to, when I think of coffee, I don't want to think of a white woman drinking Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Also, so why are we, why Especially are we Starbucks? Like, yeah, I was about to say, Starbucks <laughs> is so low quality. Why are we doing that? Like, so low quality. Not hating on Starbucks or nothing, but like... Yes, I mean, yeah, like there's so many better things than Starbucks. Um, yes, wow, okay. That's amazing, that's amazing. I didn't know that Ethiopia was the birthplace of coffee, so that's definitely some new information for me. Um, I actually recently learned that, I can't remember, I can't pronounce his name correctly as well, but there was an Ethiopian king that's kind of like looked at as like a, a prophet or a god within the Rastafarian religion. Oh, um, no, I do not know. I need to find the who. I need to find out. Oh, man. So that all connects to like the Lion of Judah that's on like the Ethiopian flag as well. There's so I'm definitely going to find out some more information. I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know a thousand percent right now. I was going to ask you though if um, there is any, if you had at least seen any um, relative comparisons from like Ethiopian coffee or like Jamaican coffee and American coffee but I mean I don't know if you knew like the to look with the Jamaicans so yeah I honestly have not had any coffee um from Jamaica okay um uh, at this point um I definitely have um uh, Ethiopian coffee I'm always excited when we get some okay. Ethiopian typically much more like fruitier okay um a uh, lighter rose type of bean um uh, it's beautiful um, uh, I love that. Also, Rwanda produces some really great coffee. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Rwanda coffee. Um, uh, I always love it. I lean into it. Also, coffee from Burundi. Hmm. Um, uh, it's really coffee from Burundi, or at least the coffee that we source from Burundi is very tea-like, hmm. which I really enjoy. Um, uh, but I think I it also that. makes sense for Burundi. So yeah, I. And so by you know. So right now in my sort of, um, so we started running coffee in 2020, it's okay. 2023 now. Right now in my coffee career, I'm actually a coffee roaster. Okay. So so that 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 was really important to me thinking about, you know, just like, I mean, honestly from farm, farm to table, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like from farm to cup, you know, it's like, yes, you know, I am very invested from start to finish mm -hmm. about Monday coffee. And I think for me, it was understanding that, okay, well, we're gonna come in on the finish side because I'm like, us understanding brands and just honestly human connection but also as just two working entrepreneurs we understand what a lot of people go through on a day-to-day basis and also understanding the importance of having products designed and tailored and curated for such people mm -hmm. right it's like sure that's the key right there, there. is the you know like the commuter mm -hmm. but then there's also the creative and I don't think that that person is the, like, cause like we're not on the commuter. Like our schedule jumps from the typical commuter schedule to the night owl person because of just how our lives work. And having a product that sort of speaks to that. All of those. Makes, which is, I, which is honestly where, you know, um, uh, 
when I'm now sort of taking a step back and looking at Monday Coffee and Off the Kills, I'm just like, yes, I'm creating this like publishing product mm-hmm. for the modern consumer. Mm-hmm. And I'm also crafting this coffee beverage for the modern consumer as well. Mm-hmm. And it's really thinking about the, honestly, the audience first, and then thinking about, well, I am interested in making people's lives mm-hmm. better. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I can't do your taxes, but you know what? I can make some shit for you to hopefully make your lives easier in hopes that you are a better person. Mm-hmm. Because my theory is if people have, if, you know, my theory, part of my theory is like if people have like easy life, you know, like they tend to move through life a little bit, you know, chill too. You know, when something isn't disrupting your peace of like a bad latte mm-hmm. or like fake news, you're pretty like, you know what? I'm having a good day. And when you have a good day, I typically find people. You know, um, uh, tend to make their, um, uh, you know, tend to like stay out of people's way. Yeah, yeah. It's so. I think my favorite part about that, what you just talked about, was the idea of creating something that's hyper focused on the consumer and how it's going to benefit the life of the consumer because oftentimes if you take that in mind you yourself nine times out of ten are consuming the product that you're making and so you want it to ease your life as well so it's like there's an idea of like i mean right now we live in a world that's immaculately oversaturated but there's an idea of like nowadays as we live in this oversaturated world like you have people who are true and honest to brands that are like super niche because the products that they create are so focused on their their demographic and it's like they can charge more because they know like the product that they're bringing is so high quality so like perfect example would be like um Tumi, the the luggage company or um i'm thinking like Clothing wise, personally for me would be like um, Ame Leon. Like, very, they're in their lane. They don't get out of their lane. They update their lane, but they stay right there. And people come back to it every year because that's a very specific look. And people love that look. Um, so, I definitely love that you, you spoke to that. Because I, I think that that's exactly what Monday Coffee is. It's one of those hyper niche brands that like is focused on bringing the best quality experience to its audience because you yourself are a part of that audience. So you want to have a great drink that tastes good, is actually good for you, is like responsibly sourced and not costing you, feel me, an arm and a leg for, you know, some white girl coffee cup Mm -hmm. (laughs) like so i I definitely understand that and i appreciate that like that's not the that it's a it's a noble it's a noble perspective to take on work Mm. thank you so i think we're going to take a little bit of an intermission here and then when we get back we're going to talk about how Felton Kaiser, Monday Coffee, Off Kilter, how these brands have 
brought confidence to the next generation. And if you yourself are an artist or an entrepreneur, um, any words of wisdom that he would have for you. So thank you guys. We'll be right back. All right, we are back um, with part two of my conversation with Felton Kaiser. And we had a very interesting conversation. Uh, earlier, we were talking about everything from being a black person and finding your space and all the way down to just, you know, that it's okay just to exist sometimes. So it's been an amazing conversation. And following along with that conversation, I want to ask you, um, being a black person and being, you know, a human and uh, a creative, I'm sure we all have those times where it's like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like, like you said, is this helping anybody? Is this necessary? Like those moments where you're borderline ready to quit and walk away. Um, but what kept you going? Like, what was that moment or where you realized like, okay, I could see myself doing this forever even with the, the ups and the downs, or have you got there yet? Or like, yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, I don't want to give you too many questions, but yeah, please compare that for uh, with whatever you want to talk about. That, that's a loaded question, but let's do it. Um, uh, yeah, no, so there, there is this, you know, I've, thought about you know stopping quitting i mean i, I back in two, two back in 2018 i actually did stop hmm. i stopped doing everything hmm. i moved away to new orleans i took a sabbatical that's okay. what i call it <laughs> um i was on sabbatical but i went traveling around the u.s before um because i had this goal i was like i need to travel like i want to hit you know like all 50 states plus you okay. know um before before I leave the country, I was like, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do. Then I started getting like tattoos, okay. you know, of the different states. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you know, I was doing that for a while. Then I was like, I fell in love with New Orleans. My family's from New Orleans. Okay. I always knew that I would, but you know, I needed to experience it for myself. And as an adult, is so um, that's why I learned how to drink. Mm. Maybe, <laughs> okay. I could out drink a fucking fish. Okay. Like, <laughs> maybe let's go. Um, uh, and so I fell in love with New Orleans, and so I stopped. I was like, I enjoy. I'm like, fuck all this shit. I'm like, fuck all of y'all. I'm like, fuck all of y'all. And I stopped. Um, uh, and then I picked back up again, obviously, because I love it. But I did an interview with this actor. His name is Faisal Dabu. And then um, I knew him for his role as Simon on How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. Um, uh, and so I interviewed him. Um, it was honestly like my first, like, <laughs> celebrity interview mm-hmm. I mean it's like I was like genuinely nervous right because I'm just like damn you know it's like I'm like bro like <laughs> you know it's like Ola Davis you know I don't it's just like oh like that is like a that's like a famous it's just mm-hmm. interesting I'm just like you know not really like a starstruck type of guy mm-hmm. but I'm just like the and I'm like oh wait like my life is sort of like parallel to like this sort of other world mm-hmm. like you know I've only saw on TV for so long but like oh no I'm in like real life with somebody who I also see on TV mm-hmm. it's just wild to me mm-hmm. and it's just so fascinating I'm just like perception and just like because I'm like bro that is, he I mean he is a great person but that is like a he's just very everyday you know great guy he has a 
keep like his craft, right? Like his craft of acting, you know, puts him into these, you know, different, you know, stages, positions. I don't know. It's just, it's wild, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we had an interview and you know, it was a, it was a pretty long interview and I was very nervous though. You know, I had, I had questions prepared, but then like throughout, I was like, no, you know how to do it, bro. You know how to have, hold a conversation with someone. And honestly, bro, after the interview, he was like, this is the best interview I've ever had. I was like, stop lying to me. I was like, bro, stop playing with me. Bro, so me not really accepting that. This man mom finds me on fucking Facebook, bro. Oh my God, this is the sweetest thing ever. She sends me this beautiful long message thanking me for talking to her son. And she was just like, you know, um, uh, you don't really read these type of stories, you know, of actors that are not like super big, you know, famous, but boom, but it's like, to, and I'm just like, I'm just like, bro, I started crying. <laughs> I'm reading this message. I was like, oh shit. So honestly, every time I think about stopping, I think about that message. Yeah. I'm like, this man's mama found yeah. me on the fucking internet to mm-hmm. tell me, like, to thank me for like, I mean, honestly, just doing my job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, this is wild to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm just like, I did my job. That's it. Yeah. Um, because I'm like that. That was the goal. But that it's because you did it filter. so genuinely, and so like that has always been the goal. Yeah, that is the mission. It's just yeah. like, why would I not ask him if he likes eggs or not? I don't know. I'm just like I want to know. Like this, I just feel like if you're trying to get to know a person, don't you want to know them? Mm-hmm. So I want to know about things that I like and that I do because I'm trying to figure out where do we connect? Is there a connection? Well, yeah, but there's something, you mm-hmm. know, we exist and in the world. And it humanizes so these, right. these figures that you see on TV and stuff like that and shows like, yeah, they're regular people too. This is a person. Like home. a regular person. They, yes. Yeah, yeah. I love that because I know like for me, my moment that I often go back to, I think about like when I started coaching one of my first big teams, um, I worked with a, a group of young ladies for about two years. And now that was maybe what, 2016 to 2018. Mm. And they were maybe like 12, 13 back then. So now they're coming up on like high school, like now. And some of those parents still reach out to me. Wow. And they're like, hey, my daughter's been doing this. She's playing in this position that she told us she was gonna be playing in in high school even though she wasn't playing it the whole her whole time coming up mm-hmm. you told us she was going to be here now she's here i appreciate you telling us this oh blah, God, blah 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 so blah beautiful. and it's like those moments i've literally like you said i've literally cried reading some of those messages because i'm like wow like, like what this is wild literally like it's i'm like, that one that impact exactly it's just like oh it's, <laughs> like, it's like you see that on tv and movies but it's like oh shit i did that yeah. to someone yeah and then i'm just like oh my god i'm so humble mm-hmm. you know bro like there's nothing more humbling than that it's like oh shit i mean i'm just like and i think that's interesting because i think because like at first i thought that it was like ego but i'm like oh my god no like that is like it's real mm-hmm. you know and it's like oh you were just a real person that day mm-hmm. and it showed that that did something differently you know than you putting all the facade you know like mm-hmm. oh wait calm down Calm down, sweetheart. You know, mm-hmm. I'm literally, I've been talking about, this. I have these conversations with myself, but I'm just like, calm down. Mm-hmm. You're good. 
I literally had to have that those same moments with myself as like during that same time when I was coaching those young ladies because that was my first time coaching like a high level competitive girls team mm. and being a, a young black man this was a predominantly white girls team you know mm -hmm. and so there's so many dynamics with just like I don't want to seem aggressive mm. there's all these white parents here like the the club is mostly white all this other stuff but then at the same time it's like I know that somebody has to kick these little guys in the butt every now and then mm -hmm. but I still have to be I have to create a space where they feel comfortable yes whether I'm yelling at them to mm -hmm get up and run and like you can do this or whether I'm over here picking them up because you're literally a 12 year old girl and you just got cleated and now you're like cleaning and stuff. Right. Like I had to create a space where the parents felt comfortable with all of that, mm -hmm. where the girls felt comfortable with all of that. And then it, it taught me how to create a space like that, how to become powerful within myself. Cause I'm like, yes, I am. And yes, you guys might be scared of me or you might be wondering if I'm like, um, if I have the licensing and if I, if the, the experience for all of this stuff, but when those girls only lost one game the entire season, come on. The next year when they went undefeated, those parents were in love with me, and that's why they still reach out to me today. Because it was like, like you said, I learned how to just humble myself to the point where it's like all I'm here to do is to give to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, um, well, once I realized that I, like, my job was a service job, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, what does that mean to be in service? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that, that That okay. is, that right. is it, yeah. I was like, mm, this, I don't, I was like, I don't know about this mm -hmm. one, y'all, but mm -hmm. I was like, no, what actually does that mean? And I'm just like, and it's like, are you going to accept that or do you want to do something else? Mm -hmm. Right? Because you have to understand like there is a level of submission that you just won't have. Mm -hmm. or, or like there is a level of submission that you have to have. Mm -hmm. right? right? It's like, mm -hmm. you got to let go of the power. You have to. But you also have to understand where your power is. It's like, you have to let go power here and put it here. Yep. Right? You, you have to understand where you have to put that power. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's like okay that, that you are the conduit of the power. One, and and that, that is like, all. Mm -hmm, that is that it. is all. That is it. You are a translator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is your job. And it's so interesting that you said like you have to learn like your power as well within that situation because it's like I feel like there's that moment where like you start off you're nervous and you're scared to get into it and then you find it like okay I'm actually pretty good at this mm -hmm. and then you start to wonder like okay is it me or is it like is it the, is it the the people i'm working with what's going on and then you recognize after that like that how to be humble how to like move forward is by the fact that yes it is you a little bit but it's you redirecting this and uplifting and giving to the people around you in service that truly uh, makes you feel full and makes you feel like you you've done something that's that's actually impactful like if it was just like the reason i say that is because like i think of i think if it was just me and i went out there and coached this team and i was just yelling and rah rah, rah and all these parents cared about like and it was, and i was putting all of their eyes on me mm. 
the confidence level in those little girls would have been drastically different from when I left. When I left, they were so confident within themselves that they knew whoever their next coach was, I know the position that I'm in right now. I know how yeah. to play that position. Yeah. And I know coach already told me that when I get older, I'm going to probably be paying this position. So I'm going to start practicing in that position. Mm. And to have that mentality, that level of like confidence within themselves was only because I gave them the space. I created a space where they could fail and fail so many times that it's like, nothing on this field scares me anymore mm. like and that was my power in that situation it wasn't about making it big on me and getting the eyes on me it was about how can I create a space where these little girls can fall and get back up and understand that that is a part of their journey so yeah tell us a little bit um if you're talking to a young creative you go back to Kenwood and it's your 10 year anniversary, all this other stuff. And Callaway hands you the mic and she says, Felton, what do you want to tell these kids? What is the advice that you have for that young creative that's just starting off that doesn't want to be in class, that wants to run to the High Park Arts Center and do all of that stuff? Do it. <laughs> that, I mean, no, um, uh, I mean, um... Fucking we ball. Um, uh, I so this is very funny. I actually think about these moments a lot. I, I plan a lot of features in my head. Okay. I'm just like one day. I've been someone's there. I've been there. The and I need to be ready. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to have a, a the perfect monologue ready. <laughs> just I've already got my congratulations in order. Right. I'm like, for things <laughs> that I'm like, a, like why? Well, I, I probably will not touch that, but it, it doesn't matter. I have it ready. Just in case. I have it ready. I'm like, I, I, I have it. Okay? Like, when I win the Olympics, I have that ready. When I win the Olympics. the Olympics. But I have that speech ready, okay? I have all my things ready. I am ready to go. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, But I would... There's actually, there, there's actually a lot. Um, But... It all comes down to knowing who you are, who you want to be, and who you are not. Hmm. But I like wonder if you wanted, to, if you get a grip on like those three things, I think that's a great like recipe for you know like that lateral growth. Um, because especially the who you are not i was about to say that's I the part really that, that a lot of people don't really talk about that like, like who aren't you people often talk about oh this is who i am or this is who i want to be but people don't often talk about like who you aren't like that's something i learned severely last year in austin was i learned who i'm not and that can be just as much of an eye-opening experience as learning who you want to be or who you are so honestly it gives you a great base yeah where do you if you don't know where to begin we'll start from the bottom who aren't you it'll let you know what you won't accept what you you know with yourself with other people around you like it it, it sets your standards and then like you said it's the foundation that you can build upon like i know now like simple things like 
I'm never going to be the person who sits down in an office every day and works, you feel me, a nine to five like sales job. Even though right now what I'm doing with Chicago Fire, I do make a lot of calls and it is a very like salesy position at times. I need that duality of, hey, do you want to go play pickup at lunch? Mm. Like, yes, I do want to go play pickup at lunch because I've been on calls all morning. Like, and then I could get right back to it. I couldn't do that at Oracle. And now I know that like, I don't have to settle for a job like this because I, there, are play, there are positions that do exactly what I want to do. I just have to, had to find a way into them. So understanding who you are not is, is huge. Um, yeah, continue, I'm sorry. Honestly, understanding, because I think that that is a great base point, right? Mm -hmm. I think that will at least let you know, okay, well, we know not to cross this line, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. anything from that is up. Mm -hmm. Also, it changes, it changes how you think about it. Mm -hmm. Then you can start adopting the sort of the 1% mentality, mm. right? So, mm. you know, um, there's my... steps to it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You so... can't start to build that 1%, that, like, that wall they if talk about If you don't know where building. you're starting. Exactly. So what's up? Mm. What's up? That's so interesting. Yeah. And so, and I think that is something that, you know, I... Especially the 1%, you know, mentality is something that I've definitely been starting to adopt a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, it's actually really funny. So I transitioned into managing. Okay. Um, and so I managed this um, musician named Rich Robbins. Okay. And so he um, sort of, you know, leads um, his community sort of with the 1% mentality. Mm -hmm. And then by working together and understanding that, like, you know, obviously this is a new thing for me, managing him having a manager is also a new thing. Mm -hmm. But we've been doing, we have been able to do a lot of beautiful, interesting things, but also understanding 1%, mm -hmm. 1%, you know, just every day. It's like, and but I, but we are seeing that in real time and the benefits of like no this actually works it really does it shifts how you think how you move it shifts your relationship with yourself you give yourself a lot more grace Ooh, that part and, yeah and that because like we don't love on ourselves mm -hmm. so i have my childhood photo on okay. my lock screen i like that because every time i get upset with myself i have to you. look at myself and i'm just like what would you say to this little boy mm -hmm. would you use that same tone mm -hmm. How would you get your point across? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just like I have to shift how I talk to myself. I like this shift how I think of myself, and uh, I also think that people underestimate confidence mm. and the, and like the power coaching the confidence has right. Mm -hmm. And I and you know I honestly didn't really realize this until recently and it also sort of echoed you know what i was talking about the cool kids right like there was this sense of like self-pride and mm -hmm. self-worth and like right now you know like there's a kind of like bad bitch energy mm -hmm. but and also typically that's centered towards women in films mm -hmm. however you know i growing up and being raised by women so like being instilled like that bad bitch energy is like i'm receiving it from anybody mm -hmm. right if you are out for confidence i am receiving it mm -hmm. okay and also i understand who i am so i uh, i also if a message is like you go girl i'm like yes i yep i sure will mm -hmm. and understand i'm just like uh I can still receive that message, mm -hmm. even if the pronoun isn't directed towards me. And I know a lot of men struggle with receiving that. And I didn't really understand that struggle 
I didn't understand that that was a struggle mm-hmm. until I thought about where a lot of, honestly, my, my confidence shifted in high school. Mm. Bro, it's actually really, it's like, <laughs> this is not a, I, I think it's, it's a fact. It's like, I, when I started listening to Nicki Minaj, mm. When I started listening to her, when I started getting ready, okay, it shifted because, like, if you listen to what she's talking about, everything is about self accomplishments, mm-hmm. self accomplishments. Mm-hmm. But then when you listen to sort of like male rappers, mm-hmm. it's accomplishments. It's like they're better because of what they own mm-hmm. or who they're dating. Never really about them or though. the car that they're driving. Right. It's always external, never really internal. Mm. And still be catchy, right? And and I think that's the thing because obviously we have like, you know, um, uh, comment Nas, you know, Yasin Bey who's a bit more, you know, on the intellectual like mm-hmm. self. But it's like you know, that's not really like popping in the club though, right? It's like because you need those club bakers, but it's like yourself, you know. It's like you are, you are you because of you, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and I think that that help me and i think about now just the music that i consume now it's like i only want to consume things that are going to give me the encouragement the excitement it's like i list i lean to music to help guide me in the way and i think in a Mm -hmm. way that people you know um uh, you know like listen to you know um i don't want to mess up this terminology not like i guess like sermons how people listen to sermons you know to like get them through like music does that for me but you know, because to me, it's just like, okay, well, this is someone's, this is someone's experience. I firmly believe that God speaks to people through music, like one thousand percent. But also, when you think about sermons, yeah. is music always there? Is there not? Well, There's always definitely. that musical accompaniment. Most I'm just definitely. like, not the power; it's the word. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I listen to the word of the people. Mm-hmm. And if this person is just like, I'm good because I get up every day and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, but you know, I'm also going to want to try to adopt that too because I also want to sound as good as this person on this track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. So, last thing before we get out of here, what should we be looking out for from Monday Coffee, from Off Kilter, from any project that's Belton Kaiser has his hands on, uh, managing uh, anything like that? Any shout outs you want to make that we should have coming up soon? Um, well, Mind you, this is airing in January. Um, uh, so coming up, we are well off the record. Well, on the record. Well, yeah. <laughs> By this time, I'm old. Off kilter, will be making his debut back to print. Okay. I'm okay. Old. Huge. We, yeah, we are returning with our newspaper concept, the OK Times. Okay. We start. We launched during. We launched this new concept during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and this felt very telling at the time. So, mm-hmm. And it just seems like we're kind of right back to time being okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, times are always okay in this damn country, in this world. Um, and so the OK Times is making its um, a print debut mm-hmm. again. So I'm very excited for that. And honestly, Rich Robbins, we have a really great spring planned. Okay. Um, so I'm really interested and excited about the work that I get to support. Okay. Um, uh, and yeah, you know, Monday Coffee is like, we are just really in our, you know, in our our era right now. And I'm just really excited to produce the work that we're doing and to continue to grow as much as we have been. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sitting down. This was an amazing conversation. Always 
I love these conversations because I always feel like I learned so much more about my friends. And yeah, I always say at the end of these that I feel like my friends are really people who want to change the world. And that's why I have these conversations. So thank you for that. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for just the creating this space where black, brown, white people of artists, different backgrounds can just come and feel safe mm. and just exist and yet still thrive to be their best self. So yeah, I appreciate you and I uh, look forward to seeing everything that Felton has to offer. Thank you so much. Peace. Cheers.